Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope. Of pa 
Creatures that grow. 
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you. 
When I look into your face, all I see is endless grace. And all I want to do is give you cause to smile. In your eyes, a treasure store I've never seen before. Like a universe of love yet unexplored. But my eyes are filled with tears. And everything inside me quails with silent fears. Because I try, but I'm not what I should be. And though I cry, I can never seem to see. And yet your voice in the silence of the deep rings through to me, saying, I believe. And if you never learn to fly or walk upon the sea, I'll still believe. All that you can be, and you may fail me, but don't forget you bear my name still. I trust you, and always will. Do you trust me? Then my tears are wiped away. In perfect confidence, I say, all I want to do is give you cause to smile. In your eyes, a treasure store I've never seen before, like a universe of love yet unexplored. Now I know I'm in your heart, and neither death nor hell can tear us two apart. And I might never learn to fly or walk upon the sea, yet you believe in all that I can be. Signet still, I trust you and always will. I trust you and always will. But you're not even satisfied at this. You cannot rest, you will not miss. Your plan is not fulfilled until I'm safe at home with you. Spilled your blood to make me free. You'll make me all I'm supposed to be, and ever and forever, when I see your face, I'll sing your grace, and then I'll know I've learned to fly. I'll walk upon the sea, 'cause you believed in all that I could be. You never. Signet still, 
I trust you and always will. I trust you and always will. I love you because you loved me.
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week. Have you ever stared down a mountain too tall to climb? No way to get over no matter how hard you try. But somehow the Lord got you to the other side Can I get a witness? Have you stood on the banks of a Red Sea wrestling down? Cause it's too far to swim and too wide to get around But the good Lord brought you through Walking on dry ground Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a hand raised high? Can I get a witness? Anybody want to testify? If you've cried out for a miracle And you've seen him do The flames won't let you go But you're still holding on to a single thread of hope That the Lord can deliver and you won't even smell like smoke Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a hand raised high? get a witness anybody want to testify if you've cried out for a miracle and you've seen him do the impossible can I get a witness the word of God says in Jeremiah 33 3 call unto me and I will answer thee, show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If you've cried out for a miracle, and you've seen him do the impossible, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Testify if you've cried out for a miracle and you've seen him do the impossible. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness?
They say times are changing, so we should change too. Trade our old time religion for something new. Our faith is outdated. Why live in the past? Well, my answer is simple. So if you ask, I still love to hear how God's love paid the cost. As passion was fastened by nails to a cross, I still love the sound as the saints start to sing. Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me. I still love an altar where broken ones pray and find what is found in no other way. It may be old fashioned, but it's real still. So I'll stay on the old path. That brought us this far That saved countless millions And reached hardened hearts Although times are changing And forever will There'll still be one Savior One Calvary's hill I still love to hear How God's love paid the cost as passion was fastened by nails to a cross, I still love the sound as the saints start to sing. Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me, I still love an altar where broken ones pray and find what is found in no other way. It may be old-fashioned, but it's real still. I still love to hear how God's love paid the cost His passion was fastened by nails to a cross I still love the sound as the saints start to sing Songs of the blood Jesus shed just for me I still love an altar where broken ones pray And find what is found in no other way It may be old-fashioned but it's real Still, it may be old-fashioned, but it's real. Still, when the shadow. of hell. 
your soul charge the gates of hell press on there is one who will stand with you through strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme. 
dream a man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity, we pray for your mighty hand to ease our Nights are what it takes to know you're near. What if 
my greatest disappointments are the achings of this life. These are revealing all our greater thirst this world can't satisfy. And what if trials of this life bring the storms of hardest nights? Are your mercies in disguise? Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise. tempest-driven soul. I am peaceful because I know, wildly though the winds may blow, 
I've an anchor safe and sure that can ever more endure. about me sweep perils lurk within the deep angry clouds or shade the sky and then the angry tempest rises ever high for my anchor grips the rock and it holds my anchor holds my Then, oh, then, oh, yeah. On my boat so small and frail, by his grace I shall not fail, for my anger holds, my anger holds, and it holds, my anger, anger holds, troubles almost whelm the soul. Like billows o'er me roll, tempters seek to allure astray, storms obscure the light of day. I shall not fail for my hand.
grace of God be our degree. Mercy higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. By the crystal flowing river, with the ransomed I will sing, and forever and forever praise and glorify the King. The King, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see all that thrills my soul is Jesus Be filled with all 
We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, The Reward of Grace. There are many who have given themselves to Christ, yet who see no opportunity of doing a large work or making great sacrifices in His service. These may find comfort in the thought that it is not necessarily the martyr's self-surrender which is most acceptable to God. It may not be the missionary who has daily faced danger and death that stands highest in heaven's records. The Christian, who is such in his private life, in the daily surrender of self, in sincerity of purpose and purity of thought, in meekness under provocation, in faith and piety, in fidelity in that which is least, the one who in the home life represents the character of Christ, such a one may in the sight of God be more precious than even the world-renowned missionary or martyr. Oh, how different are the standards by which God and men measure character. God sees many temptations resisted of which the world and even near friends never know, temptations in the home, in the heart. He sees the soul's humility in view of its own weakness, the sincere repentance over even a thought that is evil. He sees the wholehearted devotion to his service. He has noted the hours of hard battle with self, battle that won the victory. All this God and angels know. A book of remembrance is written before him for them that fear the Lord and them that think upon his name. Not in our learning, not in our position, not in our numbers or entrusted talents, not in the will of man is to be found the secret of success. Feeling our inefficiency, we are to contemplate Christ and through him who is the strength of all strength, the thought of all thought, the willing and obedient will gain victory after victory. And however short our service or humble our work, if in simple faith we follow Christ, we shall not be disappointed of the reward. That which even the greatest and wisest cannot earn, the weakest and most humble may receive. Heaven's golden gate opens not to the self-exalted. It is not lifted up to the proud in spirit, but the everlasting portals will open wide to the trembling touch of a little child. Blessed will be the recompense of grace to those who have wrought for God in the simplicity of faith and love. To meet the bridegroom. This chapter is based on Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Christ with his disciples is seated upon the Mount of Olives. The sun has set behind the mountains, and the heavens are curtained with the shades of evening. In full view is a dwelling house lighted up brilliantly, as if for some festive scene. The light streams from the openings, and an expectant company wait around, indicating that a marriage procession is soon to appear. 
In many parts of the East, wedding festivities are held in the evening. The bridegroom goes forth to meet his bride and bring her to his home. By torchlight, the bridal party proceed from her father's house to his own, where a feast is provided for the invited guests. In the scene upon which Christ looks, a company are awaiting the appearance of the bridal party, intending to join the procession. Lingering near the bride's house are ten young women robed in white. Each carries a lighted lamp and a small flagon for oil. All are anxiously watching for the appearance of the bridegroom. But there is a delay. Hour after hour passes. The watchers become weary and fall asleep. At midnight the cry is heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. The sleepers, suddenly awaking, spring to their feet. They see the procession moving on, bright with torches and glad with music. They hear the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The ten maidens seize their lamps and begin to trim them in haste to go forth. But five have neglected to fill their flasks with oil. They did not anticipate so long a delay and they have not prepared for the emergency. In distress they appeal to their wiser companion, saying, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the waiting five with their freshly trimmed lamps have emptied their flagons. They have no oil to spare, and they answer, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the procession moved on and left them behind. The five with lighted lamps joined the throng and entered the house with the bridal train, and the door was shut. When the foolish virgins reached the banqueting hall, they received an unexpected denial. The master of the feast declared, I know you not. They were left standing without in the empty street in the blackness of the night. As Christ sat looking upon the party that waited for the bridegroom, He told his disciples the story of the ten virgins by their experience illustrating the experience of the church that shall live just before his second coming. The two classes of watchers represent the two classes who profess to be waiting for their Lord. They are called virgins because they profess a pure faith. By the lamps is represented the word of God. The psalmist says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Thus the Spirit is represented in the prophecy of Zechariah. The angel that talked with me came again, he says, and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. 
From the two olive trees, the golden oil was emptied through the golden pipes into the bowl of the candlestick and thence into the golden lamps that gave light to the sanctuary. So from the holy ones that stand in God's presence, His Spirit is imparted to the human instrumentalities who are consecrated to His service. The mission of the two anointed ones is to communicate to God's people that heavenly grace which alone can make His word a lamp to the feet and a light to the path. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4, verse 6. In the parable, all the ten virgins went out to meet the bridegroom. All had lamps and vessels for oil. For a time there was seen no difference between them. So with the church that lives just before Christ's second coming. All have a knowledge of the Scriptures. All have heard the message of Christ's near approach and confidently expect His appearing. But as in the parable, so it is now. A time of waiting intervenes. Faith is tried. And when the cry is heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him, many are unready. They have no oil in their vessels with their lamps. They are destitute of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, a knowledge of His Word is of no avail. The theory of truth, unaccompanied by the Holy Spirit, cannot quicken the soul or sanctify the heart. One may be familiar with the commands and promises of the Bible, but unless the Spirit of God sets the truth home, the character will not be transformed. Without the enlightenment of the Spirit, men will not be able to distinguish truth from error and they will fall under the masterful temptations of Satan. The class represented by the foolish virgins are not hypocrites. They have a regard for the truth. They have advocated the truth. They are attracted to those who believe the truth. But they have not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit's working. They have not fallen upon the rock Christ Jesus and permitted their old nature to be broken up. This class are represented also by the stony ground hearers. They receive the word with readiness, but they fail of assimilating its principles. Its influence is not abiding. The Spirit works upon man's heart according to his desire and consent, implanting in him a new nature. But the class represented by the foolish virgins have been content with a superficial work. They do not know God. They have not studied his character. They have not held communion with Him. Therefore they do not know how to trust, how to look and live. Their service to God degenerates into a form. They come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 31. The Apostle Paul points out that this will be the special characteristic of those who live just before Christ's second coming. He says, In the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5 to This is the class that in time of peril are found crying peace and safety. They lull their hearts into security and dream not of danger. When startled from their lethargy, they discern their destitution and entreat others to supply their lack. But in spiritual things, no man can make up another's deficiency. 
The grace of God has been freely offered to every soul. The message of the gospel has been heralded, Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation 22, verse 17. But character is not transferable. No man can believe for another. No man can receive the spirit for another. No man can impart to another the character, which is the fruit of the Spirit's working. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, that is, in the land, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Ezekiel 14, verse 20. It is in a crisis that character is revealed. When the earnest voice proclaimed at midnight, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him and the sleeping virgins were roused from their slumbers, it was seen who had made preparation for the event. Both parties were taken unawares, but one was prepared for the emergency, and the other was found without preparation. So now, a sudden and unlooked-for calamity, something that brings the soul face to face with death, will show whether there is any real faith in the promises of God. It will show whether the soul is sustained by grace. The great final test comes at the close of human probation, when it will be too late for the soul's need to be supplied. The ten virgins are watching in the evening of this earth's history. All claim to be Christians. All have a call, a name, a lamp, and all profess to be doing God's service. All apparently wait for Christ appearing, but five are unready. Five will be found surprised, dismayed, outside the banquet hall. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. we trace back our spiritual lineage to the early centuries, we find the Christian church a maligned religion. It was not popular. Many of the Christians in the early centuries paid the ultimate price for their faith with their lives. The Colosseum in Rome stands today as a testament of this fact. Under pagan Rome, 
The Christian church struggled along, but one thing was sure. The intensity of the persecution kept the church free from nominal and lukewarm Christians. If you were a Christian, you had to be all in. There was no middle ground. But in the fourth century, an event would come along that would change all of that dramatically. The conversion of Constantine changed the course of history for the whole of Christendom, and the roots of that come down here to York, England. In 306 AD, Constantine was declared emperor here. His father, Constantinus, was in Britain from 305 to 306 AD, and Constantine was with him until his death. He was then declared emperor, but it was not to be a smooth sailing. There were counterclaims to the emperorship from Licinius and Maxentius. And it was before a battle with Maxentius that Constantine felt he needed more help than just the soldiers he had, and so he sought the help of God. He believed he saw a cross in the sky and heard the words, by this sign you shall conquer. He took this as a sign to convert to Christianity and a major switch began to take place. Rome would go from being pagan to papal, from paganism to professed Christianity. Many historians debate the authenticity of Constantine's conversion. Was it a deep rooted biblical conviction, or was it a political ploy to keep a divided empire together? One thing is sure though, that after his conversion, practices crept into the church that previously had no place there. Temples that were pagan were changed to Christian. The Pantheon in Rome was changed into a Christian church, and the names of gods were changed to Christian saints. For example, Jupiter, became Saint Peter, and the list goes on. While some were happy for these changes and welcomed the lack of persecution and their newfound status, there were many Christians all over Europe who resisted these changes. For them, the persecution continued as they stayed out of line with the Mother Church. These were Christians who were maintaining the pure apostolic faith that was handed down to them over the years. There were scattered groups of people all over Europe, in northern Italy, in southern France, the Celtic church here in Britain, and in various other places. The Bible refers to them as the church in the wilderness in Revelation chapter 12, verses 6 and 14. They were not always the biggest, they were not always the largest, but God would always have a people that were true to him and that were faithful to his word. And so from this point on, two branches of the church would emerge. The recognized, the mainstream, but the compromised church, and then the persecuted, often the smaller, but the pure church. The question for us today is, which one of these two are we a part of? May we never compromise truth for popularity. May we be faithful to God and to his word, no matter what the situation is.